Welcome to the Antioch Community Church Podcast. We are a church located in the downtown Birmingham area where we desire to be with and like Jesus and help others do the same for the glory of God. We hope today's message encourages and challenges you. Our scripture reading today comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 3 through 29. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding of blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all dis- at the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees, and make straight paths for your feet, so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone, and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord." See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire in darkness, and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and voice, whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion, and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, to innumerable angels in feastal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time, his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship 
with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Hey everyone, my name is David Parks. If you don't know me already, I am husband of Jen, father of a handful of kids around here, one of which was just playing drums, and if you're wondering where he got his rhythm, it wasn't me. All right. So um, a lot of us came here today um, as we look at uh, scripture and as we um, want to follow the Lord. Um, when it really comes down to it, a lot of times we are coming to, um, to the word for personal comfort. We are um, coming to, to church really um, out of a desire to, to simply get comfort, um, to be told how to um, be healthy and wealthy and, and to have no problems. And I'm just going to go ahead and tell you today that if you came here to um, figure out how to have your best life now, then um, all I can say is uh, this is, this is going to hurt me more than it's going to hurt you, right? All right. By the way, I don't know, like certain phrases, I don't know if they're said anymore. Did parents say that to some of you growing up, right? The younger generation still hear, still hear that, yeah. Yeah, it's not really true. <laughs> like, I, I'm, I'm on the other side of this now. It's not, just see, you're just saying, like, you, you actually get used to it, believe it or not. And so, um, sorry, kids. <laughs> In chapter 11, we're um, encouraged to, to look at the, the lives of uh, saints who've gone before us, who endured great things for the sake of God. And then in um, Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, we are encouraged to look at those things and therefore to be encouraged for us to live for Christ, regardless of um, what comes our way. And now, as we go in the rest of chapter 12, we're still following through a lot of these um, same ideas. Uh, we're considering Jesus. We're considering Jesus. Um, and we also are considering the lives of others who have endured for God. And it, it follows that we should be encouraged to both cast off sin and prepare to endure persecution from the outside. Both to cast off sin and to prepare for persecution that comes from the outside, or just troubles, or just suffering that we can't necessarily explain. And so as, as we need to, as we go into it, we need to um, understand that the author of Hebrews really doesn't distinguish a lot between those, um, between our struggles against sin and the discipline that may come from that, and the opposition that comes from others or simply suffering. It re it's really not spelled out the whole time of which is which. And so I want to go ahead and tell you that's kind of something to look for as you're reading this, because um, as much as I've looked at this, it's, it's just not always 100% clear. We have problems. Um, life can be really difficult. And yet there's all kinds of encouragement from Scripture to continue to see that God is in control and that this isn't outside of his plan. Um, in verse 3, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, this could be the entire sermon right here. Consider him who endured from sinners. The, um, the emphasis here and the, the way it's uh, said is, is not just, hey, think about it. It's, no, really, stop, look at it. 
Consider the suffering that he um, endured in his life on the cross and then why he endured it. So let's, let's just stop there. This is Palm Sunday. We're going into Holy Week. What, what better time to just stop and consider what it is that he endured? Uh, let's, let's consider the rejection from the religious authorities and the, um, the rejection of many people whom he loved. Now, some of you say, well, wait a minute. Shouldn't you first go for the physical suffering? Well, I also want to point out the shame, the shame of being on the cross, the shame of being um, scourged and, uh, and being displayed naked. I want to ask a question, just the shame and rejection part of it. I want to ask, how many of you would rather have um, your arm broken or two arms broken or look on social media and find out that half of your school is mocking you ruthlessly. I bet a lot of you would choose the broken arms because that's probably not going to stop anytime soon. I see someone noted, right? So you're one of the you know, sticks and stones break my bones with names in another army, okay. Uh, but a rejection and exclusion does actually have its own kind of suffering. And, and we need to understand that Jesus experienced that. Um, so some of the, the physical suffering. Well, he was scourged. Uh, another word sometimes used is, is flogging. Um, is a, a practice that where they um, would take someone, they would make them um, or take their clothes from them, and they would take whips. Um, sometimes they say a whip of cords. In other words, it has stuff on it that once you, um, you whip into someone's back, it's going to stick there. And then when you pull it out, it's going to rip out flesh. A lot of times we go straight to the cross and the suffering there. This is incredibly painful. The Romans were really good um, at, at torture. They, they knew down to a science what they could do just right up to the point to kill someone. Don't do, don't do 40 lashes. Let's just keep it at 39 lashes because 40 of them, they're likely to be killed because they've done this over and over and over. And then the crucifixion. He had a nail that went through both feet on the bottom of the cross and a nail um, through the wrist right here on both sides. And obviously that's going to be extremely painful but that's not the ultimate um, you know, pain of the cross. What's really going on and the way people die is through asphyxiation. It's through you know, basically not being able to breathe. And so as they're going through that process, then they have a choice over and over and over. Do I push up to get another breath? Because when you're down like this, it's hard to breathe. And so when you push up, you're putting pressure on the, the feet. You're putting pressure on the wrist just to get a breath. And you're doing this over and over and over until you die. Consider Jesus who suffered so that we might not grow weary or faint-hearted. Now, why did he do it? Because the Bible makes really clear that we, by our sin, have made us um, separated from God. We, by our sin, deserve the rejection. We deserve the punishment. And instead, Jesus took it on himself so that he could maintain God's holiness, 
so that he doesn't just say, oh, sin is okay, um, but then also show his love at the same time. That's what grace is. And so that we, by grace, through faith, can simply say, okay, I can't pay the punishment for my sin, but Jesus did on the cross. And then he was resurrected and he um, triumphed over sin. And he gives us this hope so that when we follow him by grace through faith, we know that one day we will be resurrected into new life, into a new kingdom. This is the gospel. That's why he did it. And so we consider this. We consider what he went through so that we don't grow weary or faint-hearted. So what are some things that, um, that make us weary or faint-hearted? I want you to just ask that to yourself. What is it? that makes you weary about being a Christian specifically, but also just in general. I, I can think of um, several things in, in our culture. One is there's just a lot of pressure to conform to uh, whatever the, the latest thing is that people say about sexuality because none of us like to be the one that is quote-unquote intolerant or is seeming to exclude people. And so it's constant. It's over and over. And we have to make a decision. Do we decide what the Bible says is true? Or are we simply going to go along with the latest thing? Are we going to accept that shame? Um, that There's going to be some people that don't necessarily want to be around us. What about just partying culture? I remember when um, I, was, I was younger, that was um, really a, a, a big deal to decide what I was going to engage in and what I didn't. I remember being um, on a college tennis team, and I remember after the, um, the victory, everyone else goes out and they're getting drunk. And I didn't live like that. And so there was a certain you know, part of simply being excluded, not because they, they didn't like me. They did. We were friends. But there was just that part of life I wanted to take a part in. But I knew that, you know, this was not something that would honor the Lord. Um, there's also another thing that can get old as Christians. And I, I, I feel this. I remember a long time ago, I heard someone talk about, um, th this is a prayer. God, make my life a fork in the road for you. So that when people would see my life, they would see who Jesus is and they would understand that there is a choice and that my, my very life represents a choice that they would have to make for Jesus because of the gospel and because of the, the way I live. It is a prayer, but it's a bold prayer. And if we're really honest, a lot of times we don't, you know, as Christians, we don't really like that. As We just want to get along with people and not have to feel this um, sometimes it's a burden of wanting to share, needing to share the gospel with them. We want to be saved from our sin. We want by grace through faith. But for others, we're, man, I, just, I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want my relationships to be defined by me being a Christian. And I don't want to um, introduce distance. I remember um, a long time ago, I was sharing the gospel with someone who just flat out said this after I kind of explained the basics, um, she understood it well. And she said, you know, I, I really, I can't accept something that's going to mean that I'm going to have to, to begin telling people to, ex to accept my view of the truth. I really can't, 
um, accept that. I, I have to have a point of view that can embrace every other. I mean, she didn't say this, but the explanation, I want a point of view that would help me to be able to embrace everyone else's point of view so I don't have to be this fork in the road. What, what else? What other kinds of things make us weary or faint-hearted? Well, sometimes it's our, our, our struggle with sin, um, lust, pride, impatience, self-control, greed, all manner of addictions. Many times we, we just feel like, man, I've, I've failed again. I've failed again. How can I keep going? Consider Jesus who endured. Sometimes there's uh, one thing that can be a unique type of um, discouragement is conflict with other Christians. You know, it's one thing to, to be able to say, hey, this is, I'm being righteous and this is you know, just what happens with the world between, between me and them. But it's something really different when we have a, um, a disagreement with other Christians and there's some significant conflict. Um, it's its own unique kind of discouragement. And Jesus says, keep going. He had some conflict with, with his followers as well. Hebrews 12, 4. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Okay. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. So, in other words, whatever their situation was, the writer of Hebrews considered it kind of unique. Hey, nobody's really dying yet. That's that's good. But it's also kind of unique and really feels like he's putting them in his place. A few weeks ago, I had um, a speaker at one of my events at Beeson Divinity School. He's um, a pastor speaker from India, A.K. Lama. And I'll, I'll, I hope I never forget what he said. Uh, there's many things that I'm sure I, I will forget. But there was one thing because it was said so casually. He was talking about the persecution that many Christians are dealing with in India right now and how it is so common for them to be beaten. Imagine the rejection there as well. It's not just the physical. It's the rejection from other people. You stay away from my people. And he said this. He goes, I've only been beaten once, thanks to God. And he just went on. He had a smile on his face. He considered himself fortunate. He's only been beaten once. We can't forget that today it is common for people to be physically beaten for Jesus. In Iran, it happens. In China, it happens. In North Korea, it happens. In Afghanistan, uh, Open Doors, I, I recommend going to the um, website Open Doors and getting a kind of a rundown. They do a, a worldwide watch list to tell you uh, where the, the countries are with the worst persecution in um, 2020, the, the count was 4,700 um, Christian martyrs that year. Confirmed. This means that they can actually confirm individually in every case, not only that they died, but they died for the sake, for the fact that they were a Christian. Hebrews 12, 5-11. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son... Do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. He chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline 
that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we, we have all had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of Spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness for those who have been trained by it. Sometimes the Lord's discipline is simply letting us experience the consequences of sin. Sometimes it's simply letting us experience the consequences of sin. We want um, the grace and forgiveness that we know is in Christ to keep us from the consequences, but because he's a good father and because he's thinking long-term, he wants to remind us the severity of it so that he can help us long-term. In terms of just discipline in general, these things become really obvious when you have little children. It's not just um, those things that you can explain. Many times there's things, you just don't have time to explain it, and you need your kids to be able to obey your voice. Imagine like a small child, three, four years old, and they are getting close to the edge of the road. You, you looked away for a minute. You didn't realize how close they were. There's a car coming. They're running out in the road, and you simply need to be able to yell their name or stop and they need to be able to stop in that moment. You don't have time to say, well, let me explain to you why you can't really go out the road and all the consequences and everything um, that's going to happen with their choices. They need to obey right then. And so God needs us to listen to his voice even when we don't really understand everything. And is it good that he lets us Try to understand as much, but yeah, of course, it's good to ask questions, and we can we can understand many things from His Word, but we don't always understand everything. He wants us to be able to obey His Word. I want you to consider here. Remember, it's it's hard to tell. Are we talking about consequences of sin, suffering, um, things coming from the outside? Just all these things are put into the same aspect of discipline. And um, I, I was thinking about this, and I thought about the really unique cultural role played by some coaches in our society, in particular football coaches. Um, now, this is obviously not true of all coaches, but what other scenario can you think of where you can yell at someone, make them run, do other things as punishment for not executing something correctly, and the very person who's being yelled at and forced to do these things against their will is the very one who later is going to say, I'm so glad that they did that. I wouldn't have become the player I am today. You know? Yeah, but you know, he grabbed your face mask and jerked her head sideways on national TV. It's all good. No, we're good. Fine. No problem. <laughs> We, we don't do that in other parts of life. You, ne- you never hear, man, I'm so glad my, my teacher cussed me out every day. Man, I just needed someone to physically throw me back in that chair, break me publicly, or else I wouldn't be the pediatrician I am today. Like That, that doesn't happen. So um, now, bef- before I make the next point, I fully realize that 
um, some people here have had, um, you know, maybe have parents that are abusive, and maybe you've had coaches that might have been abusive. And so I, I just throw that out to realize that, that we come to Scripture many times with, with some baggage when it talks about him being a good father. And so remember, he is a good father, and the illustration of coaches only goes so far. This is why I, I pointed out, the point is not that God's like a coach, and he's certainly not like a bad father, but we do retain some cultural knowledge about how unorthodox methods can produce qualities that are helpful long-term. Specifically, the things coaches might do to help their athletes train might look like punishment, but it's not. Some of the things a coach might do with their players might look like punishment. Run that extra lap. Do this, do that. But it's not about punishment if it's a good coach. But the main point I'm making is that athletes and children of good parents often don't understand what he's doing or she's doing, why she's doing it. We often don't understand what the coach is doing, what the parents are doing, even if they're good parents. And so suffering can often sometimes produce some fruit. This week, I sat in a, a group of students who have, um, it'd be some we have mentor group. And so every week, almost every week, we get together in a group, ask kind of how, how you're doing, uh, figure out how we can pray for each other. And for whatever reason, uh, my group's going through a lot, in particular with deaths. I've got um, one guy whose father just died last week. Um, uh, one young woman who's had two significant deaths um, relatively close to her. Um, one had a grandfather die. Um, the other one had her sister die. She did the funeral a few weeks ago. And then there was another guy who used to be in my mentor group. Um, I invited him back this past week because he wasn't, he, he was a part-time student, so he didn't have to go to any mentor groups. But I, I, I caught up with him and I said, Man, you might fit in well in my group. Because this guy, his um, grandfather died, grandmother died, and his mom died all within two months of each other. And so, some grief in that room. I asked them the question, so what's God teaching you through this? What, like, what, what have you learned? What, what encouragement has there been? And they spoke of God's kindness. They spoke of... Um, as, as hard as it was going through all of that, how they could see God do things in the midst of, give them uh, words to say, um, give them verses of scripture. They spoke of you know, sensing his presence and just a general comfort. And so it reminded me that as I've heard, I can't remember who said this, but uh, someone said that suffering is, is God's curriculum for life. It's God's curriculum for life. Verse 12. Therefore, lift your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. In other words, get ready. Get ready. Be disciplined. Be strong. Read the word. Pray. Don't let yourself sit around and atrophy. 
so that you're not prepared for the things that are inevitably going to happen. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. In Romans 12, 18, it says something similar. As far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Now, obviously, we can't always be at peace with everyone. We often will need to share truth. Things happen to us from people who have no intention of being at peace with us, and we can't do anything about that. And yet, we are told, as much as you can, be at peace with people. And then it says, without and strive for the holiness, holiness set apart, a life that is different, that looks like Jesus, something that's not in the culture, without which no one will see the Lord. And we see some things in our Christian culture where it basically is telling you that what you really need to do is just engage in the culture wars. Go online and, and quote unquote, drop truth bombs. Um, and don't worry if you're personally insulting people. Don't worry if you're um, saying things that are obviously not in line with what Christ would have us say because you're telling the truth. And here we, we have this. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. Okay. Well, as a church, we should, in this sense, share the gospel. Make sure that people understand what God's grace is. And see to it that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble. And by it, many become defiled. So bitterness hurts us individually and it hurts us as a church. Because when we become bitter at people, first of all, it hurts us. And then we tend to... um, to stir it up among others. One of the best things I've ever heard, and you may have heard this as well, is that bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Over and over, we just play those things over and over in our head, why we're mad, who we're mad at, and then it just eats us alive. So it says that no root of bitterness springs up, it causes trouble, that many become defiled, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, which is really interesting. He, he just, the, the writers puts Esau and sexual morality in the same sentence. And so obviously we are expected to follow a Christian ethic. I was in a, a seminar the other day and um, the speaker said, it is amazing how many people uh, are really just trying to take paste and cut what they've learned from culture and they're calling it Christian ethics, when really, no, we don't understand what a Christian sexual ethic is. But compare that to unholiness. And so Esau, the Esau was, as the oldest, he was given this inheritance, a birthright. The oldest in any family um, had special privileges and rights. This was an honor to be held onto, to, um, to be loved and cherished. And in any society that practices this, the idea that, of, as Esau did, that you would be so hungry that you would simply say, wow, I want this bowl of soup that Jacob had made for him so much that, yeah, sure, I'll give you my birthright. That's insane. It's not just a rejection of those things you're going to get in, in the inheritance. It's a rejection of the father and your relationship that gives that to you. You don't treat those things as unholy. The inheritance that God gives us is also holy. For you know that afterward, 
When he desired the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. It's not talking about salvation. It just means this, this birthright. All right. As we look into the, the rest of the passage, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm looking at the time, so I'm just going to sum up some things. You really can sum up a lot of it simply by going to verse 28. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to, to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. In other words, yes, there, is, there are trials in this life. Yes, it's really difficult, but consider Jesus. Consider him who endured, and then think about the kingdom that is coming. When Jesus comes back to this earth, think about the kingdom that is coming, that cannot go anywhere. This life is really, really short. That is going to be eternal. So as I, as I personally think about times where um, I needed to consider him who endured, I'm just going to kind of tell you a story of when um, we were um, missionaries in Malaysia. In 2008, we had been back here in Birmingham for, for six months, and then we moved back. To Malaysia, and it seemed like that summer everything everything was happening. It seemed like everything was going wrong. We got back, and Jen she was five months pregnant, and so that's no small feat flying to the other side of the planet just in that uh, scenario. We have to uh, then find housing. We didn't really have it at the time. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and and it seemed like a lot of things were happening. Um, I somehow got a, a reputation among. A, People locally found out from an Iranian that um, what some people were telling others was that I was forcibly converting Iranians. I was forcing Muslims to convert. <laughs> I found out about this, so I just sort of laughed. Like, I, how, how could I possibly do that? Um, and he, he understood. Even the guy told me, yeah, well, I mean, that's what I heard. I know, you're, I know that's not what you're doing, but that's kind of what I heard. I thought, wow, that, that's interesting. Um, there, there are a lot of things going on, and just in terms of day-to-day, everything in our house was breaking. It's hard to explain to um, and it, it was, um, and getting people to come and fix it was so mind-numbingly difficult. And some of you are like, yeah, I've had that experience. No, you haven't. <laughs> Stop it. Don't even. All right? Uh, maybe, in, okay, Gloria can say that's fine. All right? Uh, maybe you've lived in another country where it's like, no, it, it was mine, and I was in battle mode. I, I was struggling with anger routinely. Um, on, on the road, by the way, often as, as I, I was driving um, in traffic, I mean, I, I struggled with the anger there because I cared so much about the lives of the motorcyclists than they did. And so things were, were frustrating me. Um, my grandmom died. And I had to, you know, again, all this happened while Jen's pregnant as the, um, the pregnancy of Austin and Julie. She's pregnant with twins, by the way. Um, and I had to come back while I was uh, back for the funeral. I found out that um, she had been in the hospital for a, a contraction. She didn't tell me until I got back because she knew I would flip out. <laughs> which I understood, but we were like, okay, but we don't do that again, do we? Okay. Um, <laughs> And so, so anyway, we have to make um, a visa run. Long story, but honestly, she's seven months pregnant. We have to leave, for the sake of visa, we have to leave the country and then come back. 
Um, and again, premature um, you know, babies are pretty common with twins. And so this is, uh, I, we, we almost got in some trouble there at the border. I didn't know if we even needed to come back in the country. Um, a, a lot of things are, are, are stressing us out. So we come back, it's, it's two, two months. Of, was it, how many weeks was it before? Um, how, how many weeks early? Nine weeks early, okay. So Austin Jula were nine weeks early, y'all. Um, and so that week, we are, um, it was a Wednesday. She's having one long contraction. Not contractions, one long contraction. She goes to the hospital. They don't really know what's going on. And so, um, you know, they gave her some medicine, kind of calmed her down. It's Friday morning. And um, eventually things, you know, calmed down. So they, they sent her back home. We are in a house where, again, everything's breaking. Air condition, toilets, name it, it's breaking. Uh, we had three toilets in the house. One downstairs was busted. Two toilets upstairs, one was busted. The one in our room happened to be working, all right, which is really important for a pregnant woman who doesn't need to be going up and downstairs. And so we're sitting there, and, and, and Jen said, I don't understand why everything is breaking. When she said the word breaking, I'm not making this up. We prayed, and we prayed a lot. Um, Later that day, everything came back. She had to go back to the hospital. Uh, We knew that they were going to need an emergency C-section. And so um, we had to wait until the next day um, because the <laughs> anesthesiologist was Muslim. It was Friday. They don't do that. So we had to wait until Saturday morning. They did emergency C-section. Um, you know, Austin was a little blue, but we heard their voices very soon. And so we knew, okay, things had gone well. I'm not going to – there are other details I don't want to really get into. There was blood and stuff. But um, so in the end – um, like, they're okay. I was not sure for a while that Jen was okay, but she was. And afterward, talking to the, the doctor who delivered them, um, he said that um, they probably had about an hour left to live, right? Um, because um, the placenta around uh, Austin was 75% detached, around Julie was about 25% detached. They're literally swallowing blood. And so the doctor looked at us and said, are you Christians? I said, yeah. I said, well, now you know who to thank because he'd never seen this scenario where there was no outward signs of this, okay? Right. And so we survived. There's more to it. I could go, I could go on. Um, but was the point? It, it's not just because um, we suffered. It's not, okay, God called us to do something, and we needed to endure. Um, I'm so grateful that I I was told the truth. No one said going in, because you're doing God's will, nothing bad will happen to you. Now, we we knew. We knew that could be it for them. Um, But it was after this time, after we went through all kinds of things, um, I mean, we'd been praying for God to do things, for people to come to Christ. 
Um, we, we had seen some things happen, but we really hadn't seen many people come to Christ. It was after that. It was like one after the other after the other. Right? Sometimes we just need to consider him who endured. And then we endure. And then we see the peaceful fruit of righteousness you're spoken about in us. And then also some other fruit in our lives. What, what is it that you're enduring right now? There might be some fruit on the other side of that. Hang in there. So it's Palm Sunday, the day where we recognize that Jesus came into Jerusalem as a king. They put palm branches down because it was understood that was a sign of a king is coming to town. Of course, we know that what the, the rest of the week held for him, but he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead, and he will return as king. Jesus will return as king, and we will celebrate Palm Sunday in a very different way. He is coming as a king, and he is coming to bring a kingdom that cannot, will not ever be shaken. Lord Jesus, we ask this week as we think about who you are, what you've done for us, the encouragement of knowing how others have been faithful to you. May we follow you, even in the, the, the difficult times where we don't have answers to why things are happening. May we trust you as our Father. God, we look forward to the day when we will worship you in, in beauty, holiness, when there will be no sin to struggle against. We will see you for who you are, and we will treat each other in perfect holiness. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We are so glad you joined us today. If you would like to stay connected with us, visit our website at AntiochBHM.com, where you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. If you have any questions about today's message, or would like to speak with someone about what was shared today, please email us at info at AntiochBHM.com. Go in peace.